fellow travellers, and welcome to podcast 92 in our series, You Should Have Been There, with me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder. And the theme today is On the Road Again. Over the past couple of weeks, both Mick and I have been travelling to very different destinations, and we would like to bring you the highlights, and I have to say, in your case, Mick, the lowlights of our various expeditions. Yes, highs and lows would be a very appropriate way to describe my recent trip to Dorset. Um, But uh, first of all, I think you're much too modest uh, to bring up what must be a great highlight for you of the the last few days, which is receiving an award. Well, apparently there is an organisation called the Organisation Mundial de Periodismo Turistico, which roughly translated means the World Organisation for Travel Journalism, um, which has... um, uh, very kindly selected me as a periodista turistico mas influente uh, 2021. Um, so I'm not quite sure what I've done to deserve this. It doesn't come with any any kind of um, reward attached, but I have got an attractive sort of turquoise and orange certificate. And I'm most grateful to Miguel Ledesma, who is the um, uh director of the uh, the organization for um kindly selecting me and i haven't quite figured out who else is in it yet me i can tell you there are 24 other people because i looked it up but uh, i don't think you translated the um the uh, the the actual uh, uh, title of the award most influential uh, touristic journalist is that is that right well, that that appears to be what it is, but what a what a what a strange time when you can suddenly open your um, your your Twitter uh, feed and suddenly you discover this great great honour. And thank you very much indeed to the organisation and to um, and congratulations to my fellow influencers. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should get in touch with them. Let's follow that one up. Yes, and you can you you can see who's more influential. Okay, well, as an entirely uh, impartial. Uh, observer, I will be the judge of that. Um, now we have had a tweet from a uh, from a listener who has the intriguing uh, Twitter title of MZ eighteen sixty four. I don't know. I've been racking my brains mm. to think of what that might possibly represent. Any ideas? Well, MZ. As soon as you've got um, generally two letters, um, anybody who hitchhikes round Germany, as I do. Is thinking that well, that's Mainz. Um, so, so on the Rhine, ah. but I don't know that anything notable happened to what in 1864 in Mainz. Maybe uh, MZ 1864 themselves could uh, get in touch and let us know. But anyway, they uh, pick up on a theme that we embarked upon uh, last time, which was about the best way of spending seven days uh, if you have the chance to go to Italy for that amount of time. Anyway, MZ1864 says, I can personally recommend a train trip from Pisa to Venice and did it in a half term three years ago. Bologna, by the way, is great for food. Uh, Yes, I I would agree with that. On another note, and I think this is a question for you, what do you think of the chance of being allowed into Italy at Christmas? I'm due to fly on Boxing Day. 
Oh, I'd say pretty high, MZ1864. Um, while we are recording this podcast, the news is coming in from across Europe, in particular Austria, where there have been demonstrations uh, in the Netherlands, in Rotterdam. Well, reports are saying that bicycles have been set on fire. Um, I'm not sure how you do that. I can see that the tyres would sort of uh, burn, um, but uh, not, not much else on a bike. So if I were trying to demonstrate my um, concern about government regulations i'm not sure i would uh, begin with a bike but there we are um they don't have wooden bikes do they sort of eco bikes oh crikey they would they they would they would be blaze like nobody's business wouldn't anyway they? i don't suppose we should take this flippantly no I, I i think you're right take anyway it all back um, and this is of course in response to the um renewed lockdowns that we are seeing apart, uh, across Europe. Um, there's several possibilities that I can identify here. The first one is that the UK says, right, we're going to bring back the old uh, red list and quarantine and all that uh, malarkey, even if you've been fully vaccinated. I don't think that's going to happen. You could have individual countries saying, right, keep out Brits and various other nationalities. We've got enough problems here. That might happen. But I think more likely is that you will find that if numbers do continue to rise across continental Europe, that it will actually simply be a case that you won't want to go because you wouldn't have any fun when you got there. Um, so I think the chances of being allowed in are quite high. MZ1864, ask nearer the time and well, I'll be able to give you a, a kind of closer closer focus uh, uh, assessment. But at the moment, I'd be still planning to go there and uh, I'd be looking forward to it hugely. Well, let's get on to our main subjects, our recent trips. And uh, you obviously had a much more adventurous time than me. So let's start with you. This was on the 7th of November and my initial destination was Toronto in Canada. Now, normally, um, much as I love the world's second largest country, I certainly wouldn't be going there um, at the tail end of August. Uh, I would um, much prefer to be there in, in mid-summer. But I wasn't actually going to Toronto once I landed, I got a couple of buses to Niagara Falls. Again, a wonderful attraction with, uh, of course, um, uh, one of the greatest sites in North America. But I wasn't there because of the falls. I was there because there is a bridge, the Rainbow Bridge, that straddles the Niagara River just downstream from the falls. And that acts as the border between Canada and the United States. So I have just paid one dollar to leave Canada. That's the uh, toll that I have to pay. And I'm now walking across the Rainbow Bridge. It's about 10 minutes to uh, midnight. And already on the far side, there is quite a queue of traffic. You can just see, and over to the right, of course, the beautiful Niagara Falls. This is certainly an astonishing international border crossing. Anyway, I'm helping a young lady called Aruja Khan with her luggage. With my luggage? Yes, which yeah, I'm very so happy kind. to do. Thank you. Um, tell me where you are going. I'm just going to Lewiston to see my family. These borders are finally opening. So uh, yeah, I'm excited. How long have you not seen them from? For? Since COVID, because they closed the land borders. Um, so yeah, otherwise Lewiston is so close. You would go like every weekend or at least once every two weeks. But um, yeah, the borders have been closed since like March 2020. Um, and where, where do you live? Do you live close to I the live border? in Toronto now. Toronto, okay. Yes. 
good. So you've come down here like me yeah. to uh, be first to cross. Yeah, where um, are you heading to? Uh, I'm just going to Buffalo. Buffalo. Um, but right. it's, a, it's a wonderful uh, yeah. occasion, isn't it? Uh, how <laughs> difficult has it been for you being um, separated from your family? It's been difficult for sure. Like, you know, to go from seeing them every week or every two weeks to not seeing them for a year, more than a year, a year and a half, it's been hard. You miss them. <laughs> so yeah, very excited today to be going. It's now 5.30 British time, half past midnight here in the United States and I've managed to get across the border. It took a fair while. They hadn't seen any tourists for, well, nearly two years across here with the land borders being closed. And of course, British people up until today have not been welcome in the US due to a presidential proclamation. But now, if you're lucky enough to be fully vaccinated, America will open for you. Well, that all sounds highly symbolic and uh, and 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 <laughs> exciting. Uh, did, did you say it was midnight, by the way? It was. Uh, to, to, uh, it was quite funny because we um, uh, showed up at about uh, two or three minutes to midnight. Um, a <laughs> customs and border official yelled, "Are you here for pleasure?" <laughs> and we both said yes. And they said, "Right, well, you've got to wait another three minutes then." <laughs> <laughs> and they were they were sticklers for this, uh, but interestingly, um, oh, right across the bridge, there was effectively a traffic jam of, of of Canadians desperate to get to the Florida sunshine. Normally in October, they'd all drive south, and so I was chatting to them, and they said, "Yep, we can't wait to get away uh, to um, uh, the 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 uh, beauties, the, the warmth of, of Florida." Um, uh, from from they were literally um, uh, snowbirds fleeing the winter. In, these uh, are I was going to say these are the famous snowbirds. Yes. And another prosaic question: uh, Is the Rainbow Bridge actually painted in rainbow colours? No, but I'll suggest that to them. It would be a marvellous thing if it were. No, it's just that if you're there on a sunny day rather than the middle of the night in, in November, then you will, from the bridge, get to the most beautiful vista of the falls. And uh, because of the nature of, uh, of them, you'd also get, I guess, a permanent, permanent rainbow. Crossing the Rainbow Bridge, of course, was only the beginning of your adventure. What did you get up to after that? Anybody who's been to uh, Niagara will know that there's a sort of slightly down market version of um, Las Vegas on the New York State side, on the uh, American side. Um, I actually checked in for a few hours to the Comfort Inn. Uh, Did it live up to its name? Then I went. Uh, it was it was perfectly all right <laughs> considering. Yes, it was just an absolutely standard motel, but friendly enough and. Uh, I, I, I then hopped on the bus to go to Buffalo. Uh, now, this is an intriguing city because actually it is full of gorgeous early 20th century architecture, but it's still in the centre feels very, very soulless in the same way as many uh, once great American cities. From there, I um, headed out to the airport and flew down to Florida. Ah, so you were a kind of... Uh... Um, a, a snowbird by proxy, if uh, you don't mind me saying. Uh, yes, I did. I got there an awful lot quicker than those Canadians. I didn't ever meet up with them, with them either. 
And, and what did you do there? Was it warm and lovely? And uh, do you think they'll enjoy it when they get there? Oh, yes, of course. Um, short days. The sun set really quite early. But still, um, given the choice, I would uh, be in Florida because it is simply a, uh, a warm, beautiful, interesting uh, location, although there's some strange things, Mick, which we may talk about later in terms of the, the COVID, COVID rules or indeed the lack of them. Ah, sounds like my favourite current nightmare and justifies uh, <laughs> my own decision um, or my family's decision to go on a trip, which was much more of a home match than yours, uh, though it did still involve a three-hour drive from London with a stop, a nostalgic stop at the fleet services on the M3 uh, because uh, I, I went to uh, university in Southampton and for uh, many years oh. used to hitchhike up and down that stretch of road and uh, sometimes uh, was bought a coffee by lorry drivers at the uh, fleet services. Anyway, there was a lengthy spell um, driving down the A303 after that, and actually it was quite magical. The autumnal colours of the uh, roadside trees and bushes were quite extraordinary. You know, the mm -hmm. whole gamut of uh, yellow, uh, uh, orange, gold, red. Uh, it really was nice. Then past Stonehenge, which I always think looks a bit like a toy, and I really can't take it as seriously as most people do. And um, then down narrower and narrower <laughs> lanes till we got to our destination, which was a, a rented cottage on a dairy farm in, in West Dorset. Uh, that's a, a really good and interesting choice. Dorset, I always think, is probably among the English counties my absolute favourite. And I guess even in uh, November, it was a joy. Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? I mean, even looking at the names of the villages on the map, uh, and uh, these have been um, uh, immortalised uh, by John Betjeman in a in a very famous poem, which I now can't <laughs> remember. But uh, I can tell you that... Uh, uh, the a local village which we did actually drive to was called Whitchurch Canonicorum, <laughs> just to give you a kind of flavour. Um, but uh, actually driving was not a lot of fun. Uh, the lanes were so narrow um, uh, and there was some quite significant traffic on it. Uh, so single track roads plus tractors some of which were virtually stationary because they were cutting the hedges at the time, um, which clearly is something you do in uh, in mid to late November. Um, so therefore, moving very slowly and uh, and obviously impossible to pass. And milk tankers by the ton kind of hurtling down these things, obviously on some kind of peace rate. Uh, so therefore, not stopping for anything, particularly uh, bemused tourists. Uh, so anyway, basically, we did as much walking as we could and as little driving and uh, one day we decided to walk to a pub for lunch um, along what looked on the map to be a very well waymarked route called the Jubilee Trail. What could be better than that? So uh, the we uh, was uh, my partner Steph, one of our sons Silas and me. So th that was a good start because we have um, discussed at a great length that three people is the ideal <laughs> number for an expedition. <laughs> um, and anyway, on the way to the pub, which was about, I suppose, four to five miles away, it was a bit hard to tell. Um, we intended to scale Lewisdon Hill, which is Dorset's mightiest Ooh. peak. Let me ask. Let me ask you to take a guess at how how high that might be. 
Well, uh, Dorset, a beautifully hilly county. I'm going to go for, well, certainly somewhere over the 1,000 feet mark, so, what, 300 metres and a bit. Oh, well, no, not too bad. It's uh, You've actually um, exaggerated it slightly. It's 279 metres, oh. uh, which is 915 feet as the crow climbs. 10.09 expedition leaves. Heather Cottage on the farm. Not bad, no. Okay, what time do you think we'll get there? Half twelve. Half twelve? To where? The pub. I think I think one thirty. <laughs> <laughs> right. There were, of course, some challenges, as there always are with a good expedition. The fields were incredibly muddy and the Jubilee Trail looked a lot clearer on the map than it was in real life. There were ridiculously small markings that you needed a magnifying glass to see and not very many of them. With the result that 20 minutes into the trip, we found ourselves back in our farmyard. <laughs> Still, after a few more adventures, we managed to make it to mighty Lewisdon Hill. Well, we've uh, now got to Lewisdon Hill, which says here on this sign, the highest, quietest and most remote place in the county of Dorset, that is. Uh, we still got to go a bit further up, I think. It is uh, apparently, according to the National Trust, a place to walk on the wild side, enjoy bluebells in the spring and spot shy birds such as the great spotted woodpecker and tree creeper. I'm slightly worried that we are going to be late for the pub. Um, but I think we have to carry on to the summit. How is it so muddy up here? I know, it's mad, isn't it? We're about three quarters of the way up the hill. Uh, there are loads of leaves underfoot, but there's still water and mud everywhere, as there has been continually, <laughs> as we've been fording streams and uh, getting lost uh, and slipping off logs and what fun it's all been. And I brought non-waterproof trainers. And you didn't bring waterproof trainers. And I brought waterproof boots and they're soaked as well. How are you, Steph? How are your shoes? Fine. Fine. Good to hear. Now what? Now what? It's the last bit to the summit. Well, we've got to the top and uh, uh, and you can see the sea. Uh, it seems to be much better weather in France than it is here. It's just starting to rain. How do you feel, intrepid explorers? Maybe you're trying to kill your wife. No, it's good for her. It's very peaceful, isn't it? It is peaceful, it's just what it said, peaceful and remote. But we've got to hurry on because the pub awaits, and I think I'm going to have to ring it in a minute. But um... <laughs> it really is that that flat line is the sea, right? Onwards and downwards. Now, I looked at the National Trust map, and it and there is a path that goes down from here, which is good. <laughs> if, if I gave you a, um, a piece of paper, could you shout out? At, a number on it, uh, which is the pub number, because I think we, I'm going to say we'll be there about one, which I think is a reasonable assumption. 
Mick, I'm hearing some quite serious echoes of uh, touching the void here. Um, that, of course, the uh, <laughs> uh, legendary uh, story and film about um, an expedition involving Joe Simpson and Simon Yates, I recall, in Peru. Um, and definitely the mood of the expedition seemed to darken as you, you would do it if, if, when facing um, challenges on a, on a journey to such a mighty summit as Lewisden Hill. Um, so so uh, tell me. Um, what what uh, uh, you managed not to um, uh, kill your partner? Um, uh, uh, how was it? Well, I thought it was a bit uncalled for. My son saying, "Are you trying to kill your wife by getting her to climb up this very steep hill?" She doesn't really like uh, uh, steep slopes very much, and and then she made that very clear. Um, but uh, we got up to the top, and as as you heard, the view was uh, was really lovely down to the sea, probably around Lyme Regis, I suppose, and then out beyond to a frustratingly beautiful looking sky somewhere presumably over the Cherbourg Peninsula, I don't know. But um, uh, it did rain, but not that much. Uh, And I did ring the pub and tell them I was so sorry, but we were going to be half an hour late. And of course, it didn't make the slightest bit of difference because when we got there, there were only three people there. And one of them was the the, uh, bartender. Uh, She could not have been nicer. Everybody was so pleasant. And uh, we had the food and some absolutely delicious local beer, which I I think was brewed by a chap called Charles Palmer. Mm. I give him a shout out because it was the IPA was very tasty, although I shouldn't have had two pints of it. Um, the pie was absolutely fantastic. And what's more, there were COVID um, uh, protocols in place, which I was thoroughly in favour of. Um, and then we uh, walked back. It, you know, it took us about three hours, the return leg. But we we did something quite clever. We took a different route back, keeping to the oh. higher ground because there was a ridge which you could follow um, and indeed a path which made it a lot easier called the Ridge Way, just in case uh, we hadn't caught on, which obviously we hadn't. Um, and then we plunged back down into the, into the valley where our farm was on the much better marked Monarch's way so clearly monarch trump's jubilee in uh, in 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 dorset when you're talking about uh, uh, ways and trails and uh, i think another lesson was don't automatically trust something called a a, a trail um uh, unless you've done a bit more research and found out whether it has been well maintained whether you can see the way markings uh, well i actually did um, a little bit of research on this after after hearing about your near calamitous journey um the jubilee trail is actually named for the 60th anniversary of the ramblers association this is thanks to the long distance walking association um and uh, you'd think therefore it would be quite a shining example and the other thing is with with the monarch's way this is a magnificent thing which um effectively starts in 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 brighton or ends in brighton and and takes in a lot of southern england then it goes from dorset up uh, effectively shadowing the the m5 up to uh, up to the midlands um, and it's it's uh, based ah. on the uh, route taken by charles ii after he was um, uh, defeated ah. so um, yes and in, in, in i think shoreham which is where he he uh, legged it across the channel 
that's quite confusing because I assumed that maybe it was a it was a long walk that our, our own um, uh, queen had had once been on in her younger days, but clearly not. No, and I'm I'm not sure that it's it's recognised as you know on on quite the same page as the uh, let's say the the Inca Trail or the um, Annapurna Circuit, but um, worth considering. And a short walk along a long path is always to be um, appreciated. How very true, and particularly when um, uh, Charles Palmer's um, delicious pints are waiting for you halfway <laughs> along it. Um, uh, but uh, uh, having uh, sketched in our our respective trips, let us now play a game. Um, what did you think of my trip, and uh, uh, would you have done it? And uh, and I will then um, talk about yours. I'm very, very fond of Dorset. I'm very fond of, of, of Steph and Silas. And so I would greatly have enjoyed being there. But, um, well, it just, you, everyone needs to learn from adversity. And uh, you certainly had. Uh, I guess I think a challenge like that in November is always going to um, uh, have some danger of, of, of coming unstuck. Uh, but I salute your your, your choice of uh, destination and um, maybe in the summer i will try and um, uh, uh, sort out monarchs from the jubilee and uh, explore some of those um, those lovely parts of uh, west dorset myself but do you do you think i would have enjoyed your trip i don't think many people listening mick would enjoy my trip because it did actually involve me um, getting up very early on a Sunday morning, going to Heathrow. Uh, and the, all the, even though the flight was, I think, at about uh, uh, 11 or something, because these days international travel yeah. is so fraught that in order to make sure that I had ticked all the right boxes and to give me time to recover if I hadn't, um, I had to get to Heathrow kind of four hours early, uh, then spend a long time on a plane, a long time on buses, um, and then hanging around in a sort of slightly dodgy uh, casino cafe until the border opened and then uh, effectively having to, um, to to walk across what was then five in the morning at the end of a very, very long day. However, I was amazed at the, as soon as you get into New York State, um, the, the attitude about masks suddenly changes. You wouldn't like this at all, Mick. They basically just say, you know, oh, hang on, have you been vaccinated? Yes. Well, why are you wearing a mask? We don't around here. Uh, quite shocking. Um, that doesn't apply to transportation, but uh, certainly pretty much everything else it does. Um, and then in Florida, which um, was warm and sunny and therefore it, you know, much more disposed towards an outdoor uh, uh, life again. Well, the um, governor, uh, Ron DeSantis, is um, uh, absolutely on the forefront of um, why would you want to wear a mask? Um, we're not going to make this mandatory. And uh, also um, he's, uh, I, I think, cracking down on on companies which say we'd like our, our staff to be fully vaccinated. So uh, it's they do things differently in America, Mick, and I'm not sure right now it is for you. And I don't think it's a good thing for the for the rest of us, the rest of the population of the world, that is. Well, to put the finishing touches to those two very contrasting uh, trips, we've got a couple of, uh, of, of sound recordings which sort of summarise them, really. Um, first of all, here's mine. Well, that you will recognise, Simon, as the uh, the call of the common pheasant. 
they were quite the most common bird around. And, and I don't know, did you? Were they tasty? Did you discover? No, they weren't on offer at the uh, New Inn or at the Shave Cross Inn, which uh, both of which we um, uh, patronised during our uh, during our trip. Well, I've got something for you, Mick, which is um, uh, quite a surprising episode. I brought the, the first flight from Orlando in Florida to the UK for 20 months. And uh, this was what greeted us passengers. Tell you how excited we all are to finally be travelling over the Atlantic and back again. So thank you so much for choosing our flight to fly home or to the United Kingdom. I think we all should give a big round of applause and welcome on board. Love you all. Thank you. <laughs> so, so that was the air crew um, applauding the passengers. Yes, and I I thought this was uh, quite magnificent, not least because I'd uh, uh, shrewdly um, booked a really quite cheap trip and there were only about 40 of us on the plane. So they we weren't exactly paying their wages very uh, generously, but uh, uh, what, a, what a lovely gesture. And uh, it was a real sense of, of warmth um, that, yes, they were back at work, people were travelling again, and everything was opening up. Whether this will be sustained right through the winter is anybody's guess. Well, that does actually take us neatly, I think, to the topic for next week's podcast. It does. This is Christmas getaways. Have you? Should you? Is there anywhere to go this year? And of course, we would welcome, as always, your thoughts. And we'd love to hear if you've had a, a, a spectacular or indeed a uh, sadly disastrous Christmas getaway. Uh, you can, as always, get in touch by uh, tweeting us at you should have BT or you can leave us an audio message. Just go to anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there and we will enjoy hearing from you. So until then, from me, Mick Webb, and me, Simon Calder, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.